0: My guest today possibly made one of the best first impressions of me out of anyone I've ever met. And that's because the first time we probably got to know each other is when you gave me free tickets to a cricket match. (laughs) And you introduced me to Tom Curran, who's not only a friend of yours, but an England cricket player, and most importantly, a Surrey cricket player, who are my greatest love. And I did blow it. My memory (laughs) of that night is one that no cricket was played because it rained all night. And two, I remember telling him how uncool I was. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. And I was like, no, I've, I've followed you and your brother's career since before you were in the team. I've, I've been on a pitch you lots of times dressed as the mascot, which is a lion. I was like, I'm the only person in the stadium for most of the games because it's county cricket and people don't really watch it. And he was trying to be polite, and I don't know why I kept enforcing this idea that I was uncool. Anyway, important thing was it was a good first impression. Right, now from the relatively short time I've known you, you've always struck me as someone who is stylish, vocal, with no bullshit. Someone, so <laughs> someone proudly independent, proudly feminine and proudly South African. And for anyone that enjoys the South African accent half as much as me, this episode is going to be a delight to listen to because you've got a beauty. So, Natasha, welcome to the podcast Hi, thank
1: you for having me Not
0: at all, thank you for being here
2: I must say, after listening to a couple of your podcasts I was um, chatting to my mum and I was saying, I was quite obviously a little bit nervous about this, but I was saying the introductions you've done to other people that you've interviewed um, you can tell that you know quite well, Mm -hmm. or I kind of got the sense that you at least had had multiple Mm -hmm. conversations with and we haven't really had the opportunity to do so so I was a
1: bit nervous about my introduction, but thank you, I <laughs> actually got a, a little material. teary-eyed right <laughs> Oh, I'm
0: glad, I'm glad. But well, it's been a nice, this is actually one of the nice things about this podcast, I think, is that some of the guests, I've known them very well, some of them I've known the parent they lost very well, some I've not, never met the parent. Um, there have been yeah, ones where I've not even known the person that well, or there was one where I Acted in a play that was about the person's parents. There have been lots of different ones. Yours, obviously, I never got to meet your dad. Yeah. Um, and I sort of think, you know, the easy thing about in, interviewing like a celebrity is you can do loads of research beforehand yeah. and write all these questions. What I like about this is that I don't know anything about your dad. You, can Google, so, or you didn't no, Google me. I I know. Mean. So you are a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, I, of
1: course, uh, let's exactly. be
0: honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just lazy with my research. Um, so I think yeah, either you can go about it by having like an off-air interview with you before and I ask lots of questions. Yeah. Or I just ask as we go along, we all meet your dad together, effectively. So that's the one I've I've gone for. Um, So yeah, the way this one is is different to any other is that in past episodes, I've interviewed people who've lost parents to freak accidents. I've lost parents who died very suddenly from illnesses or from long, long drawn out ones. Yours is obviously different. You lost, was it 14 years ago? Yes in February? Yes. What date in February? Um,
2: so it was the 17th of, quite complicated actually, the date. It, officially um, on the autopsy is the 17th of February. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, and what, what makes this conversation all the more delicate and sensitive is that you lost your dad to suicide. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now before going into the details about that, your dad, what I'd really like to do is is for you to sort of paint a picture of him to us. So can you tell us a little bit about (laughs) what sort of a man your dad was?
2: Yeah, Um, I think for anyone that knew him, he was incredibly proud of his daughters, which I think was the most beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was six foot four, he was a really big guy. Um, His weight fluctuated a little bit, (laughs) as mine does, so that runs in the family. Um, But he, at one stage, was almost 120 kilos. Um, and he was just this massive teddy bear of a, of a man, serious alpha male. He um, owned an earth-moving equipment company. Um, they sold forklifts and JCB, That's massive Yeah, you don't get any manlier <laughs> than that. Um, he also was an incredible athlete um, from a very, very young age. So he played cricket, he played tennis, he played squash. Um, he swam, he did triathlons, um, he rode motorbikes, he had a Harley Davidson, um, he did the Dakar rally, he was just, he skydived, he bungee jumped. Like, even though my dad only lived until he was 40 years old, he actually lived a pretty incredible life, Mm -hmm. which gives me a lot of comfort. It's obviously taken me a long time to reach this point and I acknowledge that because i think for a very long time um and I've, I've actually got the words tattooed on me um on my ribs um saying an unfinished life for a long time i just thought what a waste mm-hmm. what a waste of a beautiful complex um man but what what a waste yeah. you know um so it's taken me a long time to reach the point where now when i look back i'm like wow he actually had a really incredible life and there were so many people that he touched in the most incredible ways um, that I don't think he ever realized um, and that's also really sad because I think if he knew the people that he had around him and how much we all cared about him I don't think he would have reached the point where he was at mm. and would have led to the suicide um, but Yeah, he was um, just incredibly generous and he loved the ladies, Um, (laughs) that's one thing for sure. Um,
1: He was really, really, very, very handsome.
2: Um, Yeah, he he was a pretty amazing, amazing guy. Mm -hmm. Quite, uh, I don't want to say aggressive, because not aggressive, but just very protective. Just having two daughters, I suppose, he was just very, very protective of us and of my mom and any female figure he had in his life. Um, But he was amazing. I I must say, I feel very lucky to have had him as a Mm father and even though we're talking about my dad, um, I've also been very, very blessed to have an incredible stepfather in my life. Um, so I feel like my dad passed on this baton and I've had two really incredible male figures in my life um, that I can call my dads. Oh, amazing. So, yeah, I'm very grateful for that.
0: And are you the older sister or the younger sister? I'm the oldest. Okay. Um,
2: yeah, my sister is 25, mm-hmm. um, where there's like a three year, eight month age gap because i'm turning 30 in november which yeah. you we're having a heart talk about yeah i don't
1: know how i feel about that but
2: yeah so i have a younger sister where we're very very close very different mm-hmm. but really close um she lives in hong kong and obviously the rest of my family is still in south africa
0: yeah so where, where in south africa do you guys grow up
2: so i actually grew up in Botswana. Okay. Um, just above South Africa, I grew up on a twenty-acre plot um, in the middle of the chamodulus. We would call it basically in the middle of the sticks. Um, mm-hmm. With um, a motor- I, my dad made us a motorbike track in our backyard, um,
0: we had ducks. Gosh, at- this guy's a man. He is a man. made you a motorbike <laughs> track in your backyard.
2: Like, I, I started riding motorbikes when I was four years old. I, um, I used to race. I know you wouldn't believe so it. You a were, lot of
0: you were a tomboy. <laughs>
2: I am the biggest tomboy in okay. the <laughs> Biggest tomboy. Forever covered in mud. Um, raced motorbikes until I was about 16 years old. Used to kick all the boys' asses. And I yep. absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, so I grew up um, camping every weekend. Um, my dad and his mates used to catch crocodiles. Like, that's how, that's how manly my dad was.
0: I'm just picturing action man, basically. I'm yeah, South African yeah, Af- uh, South African action man. As well. Yeah, I've got my mind.
2: A- absolutely, that, that was him. That oh, was definitely him. So, I am, um, yeah, just grew up, um, we were very blessed. Like, I went to a private school um, in Gaviron, um, but we went away just about every second weekend, like I say, camping and... Um, always on adventures, or my dad was racing somewhere, and so, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to grow up um, surrounded by nature. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a pretty beautiful place, Botswana, yeah, yeah, it's, you've never seen stars like that, you've never felt energy in the soil like that, it's just, and the nature is just, it's unreal. And did you move from
0: there to South Africa eventually?
2: Yes, so my parents got divorced when I was about six um, and then ended up getting back together when I was about ten and then split up again. And then my mum moved my sister and I to South Africa when I was about 12. Um, and then I used to com- commute, um, used to go back and forth between Botswana and South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah.
0: So your dad stayed there?
2: Yeah, my dad really? lived there until he passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Right. Yes, funny, I've spoken to a lot of people who lost a parent at a relatively young age, and a lot of them seem to remember quite weird facts. Like, a lot of them were like, I, mean, I can really remember like, the smell, like, yeah. smell like, what, like, how hard his hands were, or just really weird niche bits of information, which I've always been interested It doesn't add anything to this podcast, it's just yeah. weird facts I always quite like hearing. Is there anything strange about your dad that you particularly remember these years later?
2: it's um it's funny i definitely this the smell of him um i have a little treasure box of his passport and his watch and his father's signet ring and um i think there's his motorbike gloves mm-hmm. um but in almost yeah, it's 14 years um he, it still smells of him but As much as my dad was such an alpha male, um, (laughs) my dad used to go and get pedicures and manicures and facials, and he (sighs) had like tinted ends. What was that? Frost frosting? Like, so as my action man uh, idea is crumbling down. It's like it's so funny because yeah, he was so manly, but at the same time, he took a lot of pride in his appearance. Mm And he dressed incredibly well. Um, He loved every brand under the sun. Um, His entire wardrobe was colour-coded. Oh, wow. Like, it was... His wardrobe was... Puts my wardrobe to shame. (laughs) It was a killer wardrobe. Um, Yeah, so I just... I, I guess I remember those little things. And it's funny when I say it out loud now. And I mean, back in the early 2000s or late 1990s men didn't really go. There's yeah. no such thing as a uh, metrosexual men, I
0: guess. For me, that didn't exist before didn't. before David Beckham. No, ex- exactly. <laughs> David Beckham was the beginning of that. Yeah, there we it. go.
2: Actually, my dad was the beginning of that. Yeah, he kicked the start all Did you go with
0: him to get money? Yeah, for absolutely.
2: Okay. I was like eight and I was getting petties and manis and having... Um, highlight stuff so this
0: wasn't a little secret he was quite proud no, of he story. was
2: He was proud about it he was like the Clarence Botswana ambassador actually the Clarence <laughs> African ambassador I think at one stage um, I, I also think he obviously loved the attention of the therapists um. oh, Okay, that was, that was not you know
0: what I mean <laughs> there's not a lot of male manicure and pedicure people I yeah maybe he's going there for the young females yeah he was he was
1: <laughs> definitely I'm pretty sure he had a crush on one of them but
2: he just he um he was and that's why I say he was just such a proud man mm-hmm. um and he was quite proud of the fact that over the weekend he was racing quad bikes um, and then come Monday he was going around for his facial and his pedicure and manicure He was really proud of the fact that he was really put together well, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, If that makes any sense. I think as soon as his weight fluctuated, you could tell that he was probably not in the best headspace. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the, I guess, the pedicures and manicures and facials (laughs) were no longer. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, It was interesting, you mentioned that, sort of being able to read someone's headspace. I think I've always imagined... British men to be bad communicators. <laughs> South African men in my eyes probably more so, like definitely more macho. Yeah. Your dad yeah. sounds like that guy exactly. Yeah. Was he was he someone that w- that would communicate emotionally? You yeah. know, were you aware that he had any demons or any low moments? Yeah. Or not so much.
2: It's um it's funny because when you talk about communication, he was a big on communication. He told my sister and I that he loved us unconditionally and that we were beautiful and um, that he was so proud of us every single day without fail. I think that was one of the hardest things after he passed away. It was, my dad used to call me three times a day. I'd wake up to text messages. I'd finish school to a text message. I'd go to bed to a text message from my Mm -hmm. dad saying, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Um, You are the sunshine in my life. Just, he was really big on communicating how much he loved us. Mm. Um, But I had no clue. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think many people did know um, that he had some demons. I think he was, he spoke a lot about his childhood. And I think that's what kind of triggered off um, these really dark times in his life. Mm. And that he couldn't overcome. Um, But... He never spoke about those really dark times. Um, he spoke about his childhood, but it was almost like this. He had this barrier. It was oh well, that's why I am the way I am today. Mm-hmm. Or
0: um, so that's... He, he described it being difficult without going into the details of yes. what what was bad. Yes, right. yeah. So um, what about to your to your mum?
2: Not re- also not really. Um, after chatting to my mum and. I have a really special my my mom and dad's relationship was really complex um and obviously i'm like airing out the family's dirty laundry it's pretty scary um i we all we actually laugh about it now but um my mom and dad never should have got married Mm -hmm. they absolutely loved each other um and they had this unreal connection the second that they met but they used to fight like cats and dogs my mom is so sassy which I love, um, but she just, my dad also is obviously a very, very fiery personality, and, um, yeah, they fought a lot, they fought a lot, but I think, um, he didn't dive in to his, his childhood and even being in the army he um, had seen uh, um, two of his very good friends were killed in front of him
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, i also i remember that briefly i I wish i remembered more about it um and i remember him talking through the stories um briefly i just don't remember the details but i remember that being quite a quite a memorable time for him and something that he really held on to even though it was like 20 odd years after so
0: it was twenties. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, early twenties. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, 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 don't think anyone really knew um, that he had some serious demons mm. and was really struggling um, yeah.
1: with with
0: depression. Well, it's, it's <laughs> nice hearing about your parents, and then. <laughs> Your mum's sassiness and your dad's sense of style. i suddenly beginning to piece together why.
1: Why, are. You are. Like, I'm
0: suddenly so learning more about you by hearing about your parents.
2: <laughs> um, I'm never gonna find a husband after this. So <laughs> <my God. laughs>
0: what are you talking about? <laughs> People see a photo of you like, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Thanks. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, the the day the day that it happened, yeah. you were school top sort of age. Was it during school term?
1: Yeah. So.
2: She's such a funny, it's a funny story, so funny. The... Not, it's not I'll be funny. surprised it was. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's funny as in its uh, when I the synchronicities mm-hmm. um and the connection that I obviously had with my dad. I was such a daddy's girl. Um my sister had an amazing relationship with my dad, but I was my dad's golden child. Um and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to my sister um, at all, but I just, I had an undeniable just bond with my dad um, right from the get-go. From the second my dad lay eyes on me, my mom will tell you, mm-hmm. um, I was just his his shining light, essentially. Um, but I was, so it was on the 17th of February, it was a Friday, and um, that week, leading up usually like i said i used to hear from my dad really often at least three times a day um and that week i hadn't heard from my dad and it was weird we had so a year before my dad passed away um there was a year where i actually didn't speak to my dad Mm -hmm.
1: um
2: my dad was engaged he was 40 at the time and he was engaged to a 24 year old um which didn't go down very well obviously um and it, yeah, without going into too much detail about that aspect of the family's very dirty, very dirty laundry. Um, I didn't speak to my dad for a year, so it was a year after he had broken up with her. We were rebuilding our, our even our friendship, our friendship, our relationship, our bond. Um, and it was, a yeah, so a week before that Friday, I hadn't really heard from him, and I remember that Friday I was at a um, like a disco at school and I remember thinking to myself, oh, it's Friday, like usually my dad would always, we'd have a long chat on a Friday, um, he'd tell me about whatever he's got planned for the weekend and I hadn't heard from him. Anyway, Saturday, Sunday happened, I don't remember, um, the rest of the weekend at all, and got to school on the Monday and usually before um, chapel we would have an hour of reading and I remember reading this book um, by uh, Stephen Hamilton um, and it was all about, it was an autobiography on his life. Um, Bear in mind I'm 15 years old and I'm reading this quite intense autobiography um, on this man's life where he was suffering um, depression Mm -hmm and um had been had gone through a uh, serious um drug overdose and the challenges that he was putting himself through and his family through and so i was reading this book anyway the whole paragraph i was reading was about his father and i was thinking to myself shit i haven't heard from my dad i wonder what's something's not something's not right and um anyway well, the, the bell went and I was walking down to chapel and usually, you know, you're walking to chapel, you're walking down a corridor and you've got all your mates with you. And I was actually walking down on my own. It was quite popular back in the day. (laughs) Um, And the chaplain called me just before I walked in and he said, "Um, Tash, I need to speak to you. And I said, well, yeah, well, what's wrong? Um, And he's like, please come with me. And I was like, am I in trouble? Have I done something wrong? What?" what's going on? And he said, please just come with me. And we walked under the foyer and I looked at him and I said, my dad's dead. And he just looked at me and I just, I remember running forward and he grabbed me and he pulled me into the headmaster's office. I walked into the headmaster's office and my mom and my stepdad were in there. And I just remember kicking off my school shoes and falling onto the ground and my mom just, onto the ground with me and obviously just bawling my eyes out and about five minutes went by but I actually can't tell you how many minutes went by could have been half an hour and I looked at my mom and I held my mom's hand and I said "Mom, dad committed suicide he hung himself
0: you hadn't been told this? I swear. Yeah, no one had said anything this stage.
2: No one had said a thing to me—not mm. one word, not one word. M- my, my mom, everyone was just completely shocked. I still, to this day, I have no clue how I knew. Mm. I just knew. I just, I just knew. And my mom, when my mom got the call to say that my dad had passed away. My mom actually initially thought that there was a robbery or something like that had happened. Mm-hmm. And then when she had found out that it was suicide, they said, no, actually, Sanch, we found him. Um, it was suicide. My mom said to me that the first thing she would have thought is that he would have taken a couple of pills of some sort. Um, it's quite a ballsy thing to hang yourself, yeah. you know. Um, but I just knew. I just, I just knew. And then... Oh, I just remember thinking, fuck, I have a little sister.
0: I was going to say, was she at the same school? Was she in different... She She, she didn't know this... this I was in
2: high school and (laughs) she was in the junior school and they were 20 minutes drive from each other. So it was like, got into the car and drove to my sister's school and went to go and fetch my sister. And then sitting with my parents, my, my mom and my stepdad and having to tell my sister that daddy's passed away and at the time
0: she's 12 she's 11 11 11, yeah
2: and she's a baby Mm. she's such a baby that was hard i remember that being like and even now still to this day like i get a little bit yeah just because i am very protective
0: very how how mad is that to go from experience something so personally to within half an hour having to worry about someone else, you know, you'd think basically you just got to worry about your own stuff for years but I meaning you've got to play the older sister card <laughs> yeah and be that that role yeah and that's tough
2: and it's funny you use that word role because until I was 21 I never dealt with my dad's death for those six years I put on a brave face, mm. I did what I had to do, and I protected my sister and I pre- protected my mum, and that was my main priority, was getting them almost through it. I obviously had tough times and little breakdowns and, and that kind of thing, um, but I just I did, not, I did not deal with it. I, I completely mm. shut
0: it off. How, um, did, how did they both react to it? How did the three of you sort of help each other out through that time?
2: I think the beautiful thing, and this is where I really commend my mom, um, is even though my mom and dad had obviously had the ups and downs, the last year that my dad was um, around, my mom, my stepdad and my dad had actually built a really beautiful friendship. And so I remember my 15th birthday, the last birthday I had with my dad. My dad took myself, I had three friends, my three stepbrothers, my mum, my mum's parents, my mum's uncle, and my stepdad all out for dinner
1: mm-hmm.
2: and but that's also a testament to who, who my dad was um, and so yeah so just my mum, my mum spoke so proudly of my dad, she um, shouldn't ever um, say anything nasty or disrespectful or um, I think she was more hurt than anything else because she was left with a 15 year old and an 11 year old um, and obviously i had to put us through school and uni and um, she felt incredibly responsible mm-hmm. you know before she was sharing that responsibility with my dad and it was i i, th- I think for her it was like well i'm doing this kind of on my own You know, um, like I say, obviously we had my stepdad around and he was amazing, but I think my my mum took on this role of playing daddy and mommy. And she took it very seriously, it was, um, so I I think it was, it was great in the way that we all spoke about my dad all the time and we laugh about, we still, to this day, we still have laughs about it. every Father's Day, every Christmas or Easter or Valentine's Day, um, Mm -hmm. every little occasion, um, his anniversary, his birthday, my mum will always reach out and send a little message referring to my dad, um, being proud of my sister and I or whatever it may be, Um, and she always says that she lights him a candle, so it's Mm -hmm. quite sweet that my mum still has that that unconditional love for him,
0: how, how is it that you went about talking about your dad with your sister and your mum without sort of dealing with the fact that he died? Were you able to share stories with them and laugh about him but not deal with the grief aspect of it? Or were you more shut off in talking about it?
2: That's funny because I spoke about him. Yeah, I spoke about him all the time and I was quite, I think in the beginning, the hardest thing was talking about the fact that it was suicide mm-hmm. and that he had hung himself. You know, in early 2000s in 2006 when my dad passed away, no one was talking about suicide. No one was talking about bipolar. No one was talking about depression. It was no one spoke about it. It wasn't considered a disease. Um so it's it's only now in the last 10 years if that not even five, six, seven years that people have really started to dive into the details and the complexities and um, chemical imbalances of suicide and depression and bipolar, and then it wasn't, it wasn't spoken about. No one really knew about it, um, and so I think we spoke so openly about my dad and um, and the memories. But it wasn't about the the actual cause yeah, of yeah. death um and what led to it. Yeah. Um and I actually I think for me, I like I said, I used to speak to my dad all the time and I I felt so guilty for a very, very long time because oh I actually forgot. My dad messaged me on that Friday night and I didn't reply. That was mm-hmm. it. Forgot about that. My dad had messaged me on the Friday night, and I only messaged back on that Monday when I was at school.
0: And it happened on that Friday night. And it
2: actually happened on that Friday night mm-hmm. on the seventeenth. But he was only found on the Monday, the twentieth. That was heavy. Yeah. That was that was guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I, I, I just I, I couldn't accept. My mom knew that I felt so. In so guilty and just so sick about it um, obviously my mum's like it's not your fault and I know it's not my fault but um, it, that was that was hard yeah um, that was really 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 hard
0: so actually a question I wanted to ask I think suicide is the stigma that people yeah, even today I guess people are not that open about talking about it and yet so common yeah I think from my research it was 800,000 people die a year I think it's even more than, than that now yeah which is one every 40 seconds. Yep. And I remember losing... A,
2: one every 40 yeah, seconds.
0: I think it's even more than that now. I think yeah, it was 800,000 a year. The stat I found was like 2012, 2013 has gone yep. up since then.
2: In the last decade, the suicide rate has gone up by 25%. Isn't it crazy? And um, we're talking about it. People are, and inverted commas, talking about it. But it's still... It's, it's this... I mean, it's. I don't even know how to. It's so complex. Exactly. It's so complex. I don't think. I don't think. Still to this day, if anyone, even scientists, um, or doctors, can really comprehend the impact, um, of depression and bipolar, society's pressures, expectations, um. It's so complex. That, that, that's just because I've done so much research on it, I've read books on it. Um, it's just very complex.
0: Well I think that's exactly the point I think if, you, if it's directly affected you like it has you and you know you've done the research that you, that you have, I think a lot of people feel so ill-equipped to tackle that conversation that they avoid it. You know, I'm sure you've experienced in conversations where you might say, my, you know, my dad passed away, yeah. it was suicide, people freeze up, you know, people yeah. do not know what to say, which is normal, is yes. sort of what this whole podcast is about, of that we course. shouldn't be scared of these conversations. But yeah, I remember losing a school friend of mine to suicide, and I remember going to his funeral, which was in Belgium, and it was, it was doubly sad, the funeral. You had the grief of a friend and a loved one, who was too young to die, and then you also had the, why did it happen, what more could we have done, um, the guilt that family and friends felt. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, you you were 15 when it happened. To what extent, and you alluded to it earlier, to what extent are you sitting in bed thinking about the loss of your dad? And to what extent are you thinking about why has this happened? And I wonder if it is that you began to grieve for improperly or deal with it when you're 21 because for the interim you are more concerned with the why. Yeah. Was it Was it that?
2: I think... Uh, I think it's like, it's almost a little bit of both um i think for a long a very very long time um and i think there were multiple reasons that led to him finally reaching a point of it's too dark mm-hmm. it's too dark and he can't see the light um sorry i've kind of Sorry, can you ask
0: the question yeah. my my oh, question, my, <laughs> my question was a long question.
1: Yeah,
0: my question was basically, in the immediate aftermath, yeah. how much of your headspace is spent thinking about, oh my God, I've just lost my dad, Yeah, and how much okay. of it is worrying about actually, why did this happen? And before you figure out the why, you can't start dealing with the actual situation, which is, dad's not around anymore.
1: Yeah.
2: I am, I think because, and going back to what we were talking about just now, because of the complexities, um, around my dad's death, um, I, I actually, I hate to say this, but I was really embarrassed, um, I was really, really embarrassed to say that my dad had passed away, Mm. and people would say, how? And I'd go, uh... Well, my dad, um, he committed suicide, Mm. and it was, it it is, it's quite a shocking thing for people to hear, especially when I was 15, 16, 17, even 18, Um, I think because people just made assumptions, and um, I think obviously every family has their skeletons in their closet and everything else, but I almost felt like it was... I was exposing too much just even talking about the fact, not just talking about, but even just saying the words out loud that my dad had committed suicide and he had hung himself. You know, it was, um, it's, it's quite a confronting, even just the image, um, is, is very, very confronting and something that doesn't, not that it doesn't leave me, but unfortunately it is an image that I, Yes. Will always have, um, unfortunately, in my head. Um, I think it was only when I was twenty-one, and I don't know why. Um, twenty-one, I kind of, I had hit a bit of a. I don't, I don't. I still, to this day, I don't know why or what happened or what triggered it off. But basically, I'd gone through high school, <clears throat> university, even um, where I was fine. I was happy, Um, I did fairly well at school, I was very athletic, Um, got to uni, did well, I finished uni six, so six months before I graduated from uni I did an internship um, uh, at one of Africa's leading um, fast fashion retailers and got in two weeks after doing my internship they asked me um, to join the business full-time once I'd finished my degree and so they waited six months for me. I was like, I was the first person in my year to get yeah, offered yeah, a yeah. full-time contract six months before I graduated. Yeah, you are an adult straight away. Yeah, I was, and I, and I was. I was an adult. My mum will tell you from the age of 12, mm-hmm. 11, if that. Um, but I really was. I was very responsible. I was very accountable. I worked three jobs um, when I was doing my degree Um, and it wasn't because we didn't have the money or I was forced to or needed to it was just I wanted to keep busy Mm. I loved I loved being independent and doing my own thing and I feel like I have definitely have a lot of the drive and ambition that my dad had and he was a bit of a workaholic Um, so I just and yeah so that was until I finished my degree and then I started working. And I was like, wow, what is this, what is life? I am doing this nine to five thing in the fashion industry, which I was very passionate about from a very, very young age. i landed this really incredible job um, and I was so miserable. Mm-hmm. I would drive home from work and I would just sob all my eyes out, would get home and my mom would be like, what happened to you? Literally ugly crying, mascara, you name <laughs> it, not cute. I would be like, what's wrong? I don't know. I, I can't, can't tell you. I can't, can't tell you what. And it was almost like I, um, I realised how hard it is just being an adult and how mundane things are mm. but also just how much i had lost and i i i only realized it then like i say i still don't know why or what triggered it all but it was it was just and for a long time it I had never, ever suffered from anxiety, not an anxious person, always been very, very confident. All of a sudden I had this sick, sick, sick feeling in my stomach all the time. I didn't want to wake up in the morning, I didn't want to go to work, I didn't want to do anything. I um, actually got very, very sick. Um, This was me three months into my job Mm -hmm. and I had to take quite a bit of time off work. I ended up having gastritis, I had eaten away, the the lining in my tummy had been eaten away, I was vomiting all the time, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I'd lost about 12 kilograms of skin and bones, I didn't know what was wrong.
0: So there was no connection, this was that related?
2: This was, well this was the thing is that all these, all these things were happening but I didn't know what was wrong, you know I was saying to him, I don't know what's wrong just I I feel like I can't see the light Mm. like I feel like it's not worth me being here it's too hard for me to be here right now I don't want to be here I was like I'd rather be in a place where I don't have to think and I don't have to worry and I don't have to I'm tired of challenging myself and almost fighting I didn't have to fight but I felt like I had to fight and I always had something to prove And um, my mom was like, wow, you're not in a good place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went to a Buddhist retreat for three days um, in Ikopo, in the middle of the sticks um, outside of Kuzuru Natal. Um, I'd always been really interested in in Buddhism and quite spiritual because of um, my mom and my dad were both quite spiritual. And um, I guess that for me, i just i needed something to hold on to um so i went on to this on buddhist retreat it was same thing i was 21 at the time it was over a weekend and everyone else that was at this retreat this is also i mean even 10 years ago not a lot of young people were doing buddhist retreats and that kind of thing and that's that was my thing um anyway i was there with a lot of mums and dads and elderly people and they were quite like what are you what are you doing here that's weird that you're here with us um but I remember the first night I was there sat in a meditation session and it was supposed to be an hour long I just cried
1: Mm.
2: I just cried same thing it's like I don't know why I'm crying we're just sitting here in silence in a really peaceful environment and I felt safe um, but I could just feel my dad's presence and feel his energy and um, after that weekend on that Sunday I was finishing up at the um, Buddhist retreat I just my anxiety was through the roof just couldn't shake it off just couldn't shake it off. Um, and so I ended up going to see um, a psychiatrist which was really confronting. Um, I'd obviously spoken to a couple of psychi- uh, psychologists um, briefly over the years, just because my mum thought it was quite important, and I agree with it, but I just, I never, I never re- like I said, never really spoke about it. Um, I'd go and sit and talk to a psychologist and just feel like oh, I'm not really getting anywhere, or that I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was really going through the grieving mm-hmm. processes or, or stages, really. Um, so, I ended up seeing a psychiatrist um, and having really in-depth conversations. Um, and I actually got put on um, an antidepressant mm-hmm. and um, anxiety medication, which was... And not uh, still, not a lot of people know this um, actually at all. Not not many people, because it was also because I was really ashamed. It was like, fuck! I, like I lost my dad to suicide. My dad had bipolar; he was manic depressive. Mm-hmm. This is good. This is. I feel like this is a downward spiral, and it's bound to happen yeah. to me now. Um, and my mom was absolutely devastated because she, had, she had she had an idea that I think my dad was. She knew something was up. Um, and that he was potentially on some form of medication, but he didn't really share too much um, about it. And um, I think he went away for a weekend and did like a, not a rehab, but almost like a, also a retreat. Um, And they still to this day have not shared my dad's files. funny enough, but my mum thinks something happened there. Yeah, Um, anyway, he was put on some form of medication. um, So my mum was really scared about me going on to medication because of what had happened to Mm. my dad. Um, And it took a long, at least two years for me to feel kind of normal again.
0: Two years from that initial being put on medication? Yeah. Yeah.
2: For me to feel normal and kind of like I could function again. Um, I got on with work I got on with my life I um, had a boyfriend and everything else but to really feel like myself because like I say I was such a happy um, energetic positive person all my life everyone knew me like that to go from being really really dull
0: um,
2: and like this shell of the person I was it took a long time
0: I wonder if that that work ethic you had at uni and going into your career was somehow inadvertently linked to just needing to keep busy, you know, like yeah. keep moving, don't think about it, don't think about it. And then when you had that retreat and then time off work, I wonder if that's when it just hit. Yeah. You know? I think I've, I've spoken to a few people who, who said similar things who had... Completely random, physical ailments yeah. that could no point figured out, and then through weirdly, both a, a guy who, who I've done a podcast with, Albert, who you should listen to, he uh, he did a retreat, and he ended up, and that had an effect on the physical ailments. Then recently went to go see a psychologist, and everything, everything has changed. And that is he was twenty, he was twenty when he lost his dad, so it was ten years. Sure. Yeah, I wonder if, if that's a common theme that if you lose a parent young, when you're not fully. Are you mature as you said but not fully maybe mentally yeah. as mature as you, as, as you could be then it yeah. takes longer to deal with it possibly
2: yeah I, I think I, th- I think so and I think everyone deals with loss and death obviously differently and there's there's all the stages of um, of grief and the healing process um I think it's I think one of in one of the podcasts I'm um, I listened to, I can't remember who it was that you'd spoken to, Um, but I think think it was Soph, Mm might have been Soph, where she was saying that um, she had, there's these parts in her life where there was so much trauma that she couldn't remember things, like complete loss of her memory, Um, and that's happened later on in my life, where even now my memory is I've had quite a hectic two years. where my memory is just atrocious, and I there's so many things that it breaks my heart that I don't I just don't remember mm-hmm. I just don't remember about my dad. I don't remember memories or holidays or all these things that my sister would remember my sister was younger than me or My friends that had met my dad would remember holidays that we had all gone together. I just don't remember I just just can't remember it really upsets me. It's like I want to remember, I want to hold on to those things. um, But yeah, it's it, it, the whole grief thing is um, it's a process.
1: Yeah. It is just a process.
0: I think, by the sounds of it, it's something that always changes, you know, as you get older. You know, you need your dad when you're a teenager for whatever reasons, you're a teenager getting through stuff. Yeah. And then you've got, oh, I've come into my career, you know, this will be the time I want to talk to my dad. And then yeah. This. You know, when you have kids or wedding dates, I think it's always something that seems to change. Yeah. Is it in terms of your? Um, well, actually, you know, let's stay on this for a second. You, you talked about the tattoo you got. <laughs> life half lived. No, life uh, half.
2: An unfinished. An unfinished life. Yeah.
0: A uh, what? Say, so how old were you when you got that?
2: I was sixteen.
0: Okay, so that was straight away Yeah, almost, almost straight away, and oh.
2: I had my mum's permission, she yeah. me.
0: <laughs> so at what point, well actually is that, is that tattoo one that you regret or still believe or at what point did you, you said earlier, get to the mindset that actually it was more like a life incredibly well lived? Yeah, you know? yeah
2: absolutely. I think, um, I don't regret it mm-hmm. um, at all, I've got quite a few tattoos and I don't regret any of them but I think it's, it's just that it doesn't, it, it's not really the depiction of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for such a long time I felt like it was unfinished, um, and like I was saying earlier, really, I, I finally, his, he had his purpose and he fulfilled it, um, even though it was short lived, I definitely feel like he, it was his time. Um, and he, knowing that he is in a better place and happy, I think that was the biggest thing. Is just knowing that he's just happy. But I don't regret it. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't regret it. I am. Um, I've actually got a keyhole behind my um, my right ear. That's another tattoo that I got done for my dad. Um, shortly after my dad passed away, um, we went. Back to, it must have been a couple of months after my dad had passed away, when obviously went um, back to, from South Africa to Botswana for um, to go and spread my dad's ashes um, and his wish was to spread the ashes on the eight, a 20 acre plot that we all lived in um, and he uh, God, what I keyhole do? yeah, keyhole, hello um, tattoo Anyway, I went and saw um, a medium, <clears throat> saying like 15 years old, go and see this medium that my mom's friend was actually supposed to go to and she didn't, wasn't really feeling it, and so I said, oh, please, can I go? And my mom was also really nervous about me going. Anyway, I, um, I went and I sat down in front of his name's Mike, the most beautiful person on this planet, and had never met him um, yet no clue who I was, or my story, or the fact that I'd lost my dad, and, um, sat down next to him and he said, why, why are you here? And I said, um, my dad's passed away. And he looked at me, and the next minute he grabbed his throat, and kind of, oh god, I, I just burst out into tears. But anyway, it was the most incredible reading, because he had picked up on so many little things, like, um just after my dad had passed away, I was playing my dad's laptop and his music. And he said to me, Um, your dad, your your dad's why are you, you're playing your dad's music? It's like your dad's telling me that you're too cool to be listening to his music. You should be listening to something else. And I was like, how's how does this guy know this? Yeah. And um I have been having these dreams where um I just kept seeing this light, so I would wake up in the middle of the night, and there would just be this bright light shining in my face. And um, he said, "You've been having quite vivid dreams," and I was like, oh, "Yeah, you know, um, I've always dreamt quite a bit." And he said, "What? Well, tell me, there's a dream that you're having, though." And I was like, "What? What are you getting to?" He's like, "Do you see a light?" And I was like, "Oh my god, oh yes!" I was like. I've had these vivid, vivid dreams of this shine, bright, shining light, and he started laughing. And he said, That's your dad. He's shining a light to see your beautiful face. I was like, That's something that my dad would do, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Anyway, my dad really went tattoo. Um, My dad was really big on celebrating birthdays and christmases and my sister and i were really spoiled by my dad um valentine's day we'd always get like a massive bunch of flowers Mm -hmm. um teddy bears and everything else and anyway mike said to me um when i turn 21 i must remember that my dad is giving me this key And with this key, I can unlock the doors. Any opportunities or anything that comes my way, I hold the key. Um, And I don't know if it's a big thing in the UK, or I don't think it's really a big thing here in ours. But when you turn 21, it's like a symbol. Your parents give you a key on a plaque.
0: Okay. Yeah. No.
2: Not yeah. Um, And so that was almost symbolizing the key. But when I turned 21, the reason why it was 21, and that's why. I don't know if it is when I turned 21 and had started my new job and everything else. It was this age, this number, 21. But anyway, I was um, in Italy for my 21st birthday and um, I was in Florence and I'm walking along the cobblestones and um, I had my all-stars on, my converse, and it was like something's in my shoe. I lifted up my foot and there was someone's earring and it was a key.
0: On your 21st birthday?
2: On my 21st birthday. Wow. Just, and that's why I say all the synchronicities and these incredible little, people think I'm bullshitting mm-hmm. half of the time, and I don't blame them, um, but I had this, this little key. And so I had that, the keyhole done and when I was in Italy as a little symbol yeah. of that and just remembering that I hold the key. Nice. But, God, yeah. what story. That's a beautiful <laughs> story. It's, it's, it's just it's, it's bizarre, the things that I've had um, unfold from a spiritual um, perspective. With, mm. and it, it's just, yeah, like I say, my dad and I just had a really strong, undeniable um, bond.
0: One of the reasons I've wanted to make this podcast is because I think, although almost all of us will lose a parent at, at some point, all of us will have a friend who is the parent, right? Everyone knows someone who is the parent. So, what I'm really interested to find out is how can we, as the friends of people who are experiencing that grief, get better, right? How can we get better at that sooner? Yeah. So, I guess what I want to know is what you would have met two types of mates since this happened. I imagine there's the mates that knew your dad, yeah, and what and the what those that you've had to tell about it, yeah. And I guess I want to know what. Have their reactions been? You know, what were your friends at the time like, and what have your friends been like since you've had to sort of explain the whole story to?
2: Yeah, I um, I have a very good friend of mine, um, Courtney Bray, who actually now lives in Hong Kong. Um, she had met my dad at my birthday, um, that last birthday, the fifteenth birthday, and I had another friend of mine, Christian King, and Shelby Favey, um. They were all friends that were all there at my last birthday. My one friend Kirsten came to Botswana. My dad flew my sister and I and our two friends to Botswana for the weekend. <laughs> like, um, and those three friends were amazing. I still Courtney still to this day, every year, has messaged me on my dad's anniversary. Um, and on Father's Day, she always sends me a message, um, and I remember my friend Shelby, her mum had lost her dad to suicide, and um, the first little holiday I went away, after my dad had passed away, I went, um, her parents took us away, and I remember having really, just crying, obviously, yeah. um, to Shelby and her mum.
0: Was um, that before you lost your dad?
2: No, after I lost after, after okay, yeah. my dad um, to them. And I think the friendships, those three friends are still in my life today, yeah. um, in different ways. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll, all of, uh, two of them are in South Africa, courses in Hong Kong, um, and I don't speak to them every day. I might not speak to them even every year, but I still we still comment on each other's Facebook and Instagram and everything, still send a lot of love their way. Um, But those three girls were mm, incredible friends to me during that period. Um, And there's been friends, unfortunately, um, that are no longer in my life, um, that I think used my father's death um, in a way of throwing things in my face believe it or not um, and then there's been friends now that I where I talk about my dad um, who are really accepting of the way in which he passed um, and also quite a lot of the people that I've even come across with, come across by recently have had someone that has committed suicide Mm. Um, and that's only really been in the last five years Um, and so I think having I even found talking to people that had lost Parents or, or anyone in their life, essentially, I I find it
0: hard. I yeah.
2: I cry immediately. Oh,
0: I know. You always assume that and you should be able to do it because you're too should, I'm like, honey, well,
2: I I should I should know how to deal with yeah. this. I should be able to tell you, as a friend, how how to make me feel better or how to make the other person feel better. You, honestly, they, I think just being sympathetic and acknowledging um, the life and just i think there's there's some people that i always thought would just still check in occasionally and not not necessarily to say how are you doing i know it's been 10 years since your dad passed or whatever but i think you know even on father's day it's yeah. still it's still sore it's still sad um and i think it's those little days that Um, I think a lot of us forget about and kind of move on with our lives but there's so many people that are really having a shitty time on Christmas or on the anniversary or on Easter or whatever the memory might be that's attached to that person so it's just I think it's just the acknowledgement.
0: I'm so glad you said that that because that is something that has come up in almost every episode. Really? Father's Day, Christmas Day, anniversary. Yeah. Just send a text. Just send a text. It's it's so it hits home so so big. Yeah. And I think most people forget it. Yeah. People are worrying about their own family or their own dad on those days. Yeah,
2: and I and I get it. I totally get it. I've I've made quite a conscious effort myself. Um if I know of if I, I have quite a few friends, um unfortunate that have lost their fathers and so I always try and and make sure that I pop a message to them. Mm. Um, and and just and also just talking about the person um i think also just being open to you know like, what was your childhood like and what was your like tell me about your dad you mm. know i think being able to people wanting to hear more about the person that had passed away just i i love it i love it when people ask me about my dad cuz i'm really proud of him yeah. you know i'm really really proud of him and i I would not be the person that I am today without him. Without him being in my life for the fifteen years that he was in my life, but also, I would not be the person that I am today without going through what we went through as a family.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so as much as I would, I would kill.
1: Um, <laughs> sorry. No, anything. Um, yeah, wouldn't really do anything to see him again but um, I know I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I hadn't had lost mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and I hadn't had gone through that trauma and the pain um, and the challenges that we've gone through as a family so I am.
0: Uh, yeah, bittersweet I guess is yeah, it? Yeah mm-hmm. it's
1: like it's a weird thing to say um, but I'm proud of me. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, even like I said, the last two years has been quite challenging. A uh, number of perspectives, um, mm.
2: but I feel like going through what I went through at such a young age, uh, age has has prepped me for all these other shitty little things that come
1: along. Yeah. Like
0: you put it yeah come at me, try
1: again. Yeah. Yeah. Like I am um, gonna handle handle a lot.
2: Yeah, ready for anything. Um. The one thing I wanted to say um, that I just now thought about, I, am, I spoke at my dad's funeral, I said a eulogy at my dad's funeral. Um, and the one thing, the one quote that I read in the eulogy is a quote by Helen Keller, um, which goes, It is only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision inspired and success achieved. Something that I have just carried with me, pretty much the last fifteen years, mm. um, is and with any difficult situation, um, I'll never let it define me, um, but I'll I'll let it shape me, you know, into into a better version of myself and a better friend and a better partner, better human, um, just better soul in general. So. Um, funny not funny but funny yeah
0: I don't know why I keep saying funny no that's that's I've got so many other questions to ask but that seems like such a fitting place to finish (laughs) (laughs) you've sort sort of answered a lot of what what I wanted to ask which was I guess the role of your your friends today helping you through it by the sounds of it is just talk about it you know be open to having the conversation i guess at the time you need a lot of more emotional support you know yeah. on, on the on the bad days which i guess come more frequently then yeah. whereas now you want people to ask you questions
1: yeah right.
2: i do i think also because i'm really passionate about mental health and um i think it's so important now so than ever before um if, if anything especially now with everything that the world is going through um, just to talk Mm. to talk openly to talk freely to talk with heart and soul and um, just be real and be real with people that you don't even need to be real with but just share I think I think sharing is just such a beautiful beautiful thing just share your story share your message um, share, just share, just share. Can you imagine what this world would be like if we just shared a little bit more about who we are and especially the people that have passed on sharing their, their legacy. Um, I think it makes it live on a little bit longer. And I think that's why now I'm really proud about my dad's story is because um, what a legacy. Like what a legend mm. he, I remember he snowboarded in his underpants, like my dad, that's one thing I didn't
1: say my dad was really funny mm-hmm. my dad was fucking
2: funny filthy at times yeah. like dirty jokes but my dad was hilarious he'd always have everyone in stitches He, I mean he had a couple of joke books that I know he used to read loved a one liner, like loved okay, a serious yeah. dad joke but He was so funny. I wish I remembered some of the things that he said, but he was really, really funny. Um, But yeah, just share
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a mistake that I know that I've made, and I think a lot of people who haven't experienced the loss of a parent or, or grief to the same extent assume that asking questions about your dad or anyone who lost a parent or a loved one makes the f- the following conversation a sad one, whereas actually everyone I've spoken to said whenever we talk about dad or mum, whoever, yeah. it's always funny stories. Yeah. It's always laughter and yeah. joy and pleasure and never yeah. like, oh, dad, you know, it's always like, yeah. what a flipping incredible person yeah. they were.
2: I think it, it's so beautiful how when someone passes away, and I think there's such a big lesson in this, is that when someone passes away, Obviously, there's just shit and the bullshit and everything else, but you choose to remember the good times. Mm. You choose to remember those really beautiful memories, but why now when, and this is not everyone, but just in general, now more so than ever before, people hold on to the bad aspects or the negative aspects of people more than the good aspects of people. Mm-hmm like why do you have to wait for someone to pass away to remember the incredible things about that person you know to share to share the let's build each other up Mm. um yeah that's something that i i'm trying to do more of is just uplift and share the good stuff and remember the good stuff um i'm quite a forgiving person um sometimes too forgiving Mm -hmm. but i i'm I'm, I think that's also the reason why I am so forgiving, is because my mum had forgiven my dad for a number of things that he had done. I think even for us, we have forgiven my dad, but I think just being able to forgive people. We all make, make mistakes, we all say shitty things and do shitty things, but just um, just being able to forgive and hold on to the good things
1: yeah.
2: rather than the, the negative, the negative things
0: well thank you so much for that. I feel like I've basically just sat here and listened to beautiful stories come out of your mouth and I'm not saying a awful lot but it's been I'm, I'm so
2: conscious of the fact that I don't sound as prim, as prim and proper as the other people that you've interviewed and I've probably said a lot of ums and sniffed
0: mountains. no no that's not true at all you've got the best accent so you, you win on that in terms of sounding like no but thank you so much for sharing all of those thank, thank you for you. being vulnerable I've loved sort of yeah like I said earlier piecing together you through stories about your mum and dad it's been it's been a pleasure
2: thank you thank you for for being you I think um the second I heard or even I think for me the second I met you um at the cricket you're such a happy soul and it's so beautiful to come across people like you that are just and even Liz, just so so I don't even know what the word is just so kind just so fucking kind it's beautiful so thank you thank you for this oh, um, thank you you're pretty special thank
0: you <laughs> oh, you make me feel very awkward <laughs> Jeez.